If you play a lot of pickleball, you will want to listen to this podcast. Senior pro Tim Ringgold explains how to recover faster after playing and what to do on your days off from the game. So let's get to the intro to hear from Tim. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I would like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, Tim Ringgold. How are you doing today, Tim? I'm pretty good. Thanks for having me, Lynn. I am glad you're here. And I was actually aware of what you do and your podcast, which we'll get into. And so I'm glad we were able to connect. And I do want to start off how I usually start most podcast episodes, finding out a little bit about your pickleball journey how you got started in the game and how long ago that was. Sure. Well, my pickleball age, I'm going to turn two on September 4th, 2022. So I'm still in my, my infancy here as many are. I was, I've been an athlete my whole life. I, and played soccer recreationally as an adult. That was my main sport growing up. And in 2016, I took one too many shots to the head and got a concussion and didn't get better and began treatment for a mild traumatic brain injury related to multiple concussions and had to learn a whole lot about head injuries and how progressive they are and cumulative they are. And I didn't know nearly what I know today about head injuries until I had to go through that journey as a patient. And having played baseball before or simultaneously to soccer, I've always been a ball sport guy, love ball sports. And I would run and I would lift in order to perform well playing soccer. But I never really thought of running or lifting or training as a sport in in and of itself. But unfortunately, due to a series of several more concussions after that one in 2016, I had to kind of hang up my cleats and stop playing soccer. And then I just wandered in the wasteland of running and lifting for about three, maybe four years. And I was just bored and depressed and feeling isolated because I had played a team sport my whole life. And then for my birthday, someone bought me tennis lessons randomly, a buddy of mine. And I was like, that's cool. Haven't played in like 20 years, but I'm game. And in my quest to find a tennis instructor, I found a pickleball instructor because in my neighborhood on the green belt, someone has like a three quarter scale pickleball court in their backyard. And I used to walk, well, I walk my dogs by it every day. And I'm like, what is that? That looks fun. And so I said to myself, the next time I see the wife who walks their dog, I'm going to hit her up like, Hey, does your husband teach tennis? So I saw her and she's like, he doesn't teach tennis, but he teaches pickleball and the first lesson's free. I was like, sign me up. So I went over to his house and for two hours, he taught me all 10 shots in pickleball. And he told me, he's like, dude, how old are you? And I said, I'm 48. And he started giggling. And I'm like, what's so funny? He's like, I just taught you all 10 shots of the game in your first lesson. And in two years, you're going to hit 50 and you're going to become a senior pro. And I just sat there like, what? (laughs) I didn't know what he was talking about. It was my first lesson. I didn't know the world of pickleball. I knew nothing, right? I had like the two for 50 Amazon special paddle that's 100% dead spot. 
I didn't know what was going on, but he just planted this seed in my head. And he said, here's what you're going to do tomorrow. Tomorrow, you're going to go down to these courts in Tustin. I live in Southern California. You're going to go online. I'm going to send you a link. There's a league there that plays six days a week from like 6 a.m. to noon. You're going to sign up. It's like 20 bucks a year. I was like, okay. He goes, and you're just going to go down there and they have challenge courts. You're just going to just fade in and just start playing games with people. And that's what you're going to do. And you're going to look for this guy and coach. You're going to go look for coach. And I'll be like, oh, okay. And I went down that next morning and coach took one look at me and put me out on the 4.5 courts thinking that I was an athlete. And I immediately got bageled. And I'll never forget it. You never forget your first time. And I was like, guys, what court should I be on? And they pointed at the other end of all the courts. They were like, you should be down there at the beginner courts. So I was like, okay, but here's what happened, Lynn. I went down to the beginner courts and I got partnered up with a guy named Jack. And Jack was 92 and he was good. And I sat there thinking to myself like, whoa, that's 44 years from now. I could be on this court playing with some 48-year-old upstart and being competitive. And I found my new ball sport and I found my new team sport. Because for me, doubles pickleball and even singles pickleball, because I play singles, they're both a team sport because you need your opponents in order for you to experience what you want to experience on your side of the net. It's a collaborative exchange. And and the rest, as they say, is history. I love that introduction. And it's funny because we actually have a lot in common because I was kind of the same way. I was always a ball sport person and mm. I would lift weights and I wasn't quite like you did. I wouldn't run to play soccer, but actually I played soccer too. And running and lifting weights, they're okay, but it's not necessarily my favorite thing to do. So when I was about your age now, two years ago, I was actually playing basketball and completely tore my ACL and I did not have it surgically repaired. So I figured that was the end of my ball sport days with that type of movement. And it wasn't until I, I found pickleball that I'm like, yeah, I think I can do this. And as it's a, as the saying goes, the rest is history. And uh, anyways, what I wanted to ask you about is, okay, so the initial person who taught you how to play pickleball said that in a couple of years, you would become a senior pro. Are you doing that now? Yeah. Yeah. I competed in my first senior pro event in Atlanta in May in singles and promptly went 0 and 2. And that was okay. Got my butt kicked. But kind of started in November of 21, working with Matthias Johansson, who's uh, ranked right up there, number one, number two, along with Paul Olin. I think did you, I think you interviewed Matthias. I did. I want to say, yeah. So, yeah. So he and I happen to live in Southern California. So I linked up with him as a coach, and in October I said to him, "I have this this deadline coming that my first coach planted in my head. So I, I want to have a lesson with you. Let's play a couple of matches, and you tell me if I'm on track or I'm on crack." That's what I told him. And he kind of thought that was pretty funny. And so we played a couple of matches and he said, well, you're very unorthodox. You're not from tennis. So 
I can't tell what you're going to do. And that's very good. And you're very fast. <laughs> and I said, that's soccer. And, and we said, okay, if we can get my hands to work as well as my feet, I'll be in good shape. So he looked out in the calendar and he thought summer of 2022 is what he said. And uh, he was, all right, let's go. So we began working together and he's like, here's what you're going to need to do. And so I just followed the recipe, uh, which included like a weekly lesson, two other days of drilling, playing singles. So three days a week of singles and then just start entering tournaments start at 4-0 and win. And then when you win, go up and keep going. So over, like I won a local tournament 4-0 in November, and then I won a PPA 4-0 event in January, and then 4-5 in February, and then 5-0 in March, and then 5-0 again. And so it was like, okay, starting to figure this out. And then what I noticed was in singles, guys my age either play like 3-5 or pro. There's just not a lot in between. And I was registered to play in Atlanta at 5-0, and I was the only guy in the draw. And there were 17 guys in the senior open. So I just told them, hey, why don't I just throw my hat in? I know we were planning over the summer, but I feel like I should just start now. And he's like, I agree. And so we uh, we started with Atlanta in, in May and then played the four West Coast swing events out here, PPA, APP, and or three events and went two and two, oh and two, two and two, and just kind of learning, you know, what it's like at that level. It's kind of a big jump going from the five oh to the senior. It's a bigger jump than the four five to five oh for sure. But it's been the only way to get better is to get beat. So I don't want to be the best of the rest. I want to be the worst of the best. And that's how I'll get better. And so why is it a bigger jump up to that? level that you're at now? It's really interesting. Just the couple of things. One is the consistency of your opponent's game. There's very little weak spots. It's not like they're trying to figure this out. They, most of them come from tennis. Most of them have just brilliant ground strokes with tons of muscle memory. They're tar they hit their targets all the time. And secondly, I have a much, like they punish you for missing yours much more effectively. So if I'm serving and I don't hit my serve deep, I get punished on the return. If I'm returning and I don't hit my return deep, I get punished by an easy pass. If I hit a third that is not the size of an arrow B instead of a hula hoop, they're hitting that block volley across deep with punity. If I am at the line hitting my fourth and I don't put that ball away with pace, they're following their third and they've got plenty of room in the court to, to pass me. So I'm noticing the margins of error have shrunk tremendously, but it's fun because it's like leveling up in any game. You're like, it's more challenging. Now you've got to dial it in and catch up. And I mean, that's the beauty of this. There's really no finish line to it. I can definitely see you being successful, not only because you're an excellent athlete, but also you are very analytical. I mean, that is coming up really clearly in the podcast, which is always fun. Now, one of the things too, I mentioned earlier in the podcast that you have a pickleball podcast called Pickleball Recovery. It's now, true. Tell me, yeah, tell me a little bit about how that got started. Did you had some other background, I think, in doing podcasting. So how did that all happen? Because like you said, it's only been two years since you started playing. Yeah, I started and ran a successful podcast during the pandemic 
my professional background is I'm a music therapist and my specialty is using music for stress management. And in the pandemic, I started a podcast where I recorded relaxation music for healthcare workers and would interview stress management experts and other artists who are writing music in the healing space and would release those interviews every other week and would release a new piece of relaxation music every other week so that there were weekly pieces of content for healthcare workers to help them survive the pandemic. And I hit the top 1.5% of all podcasts worldwide with that podcast. And so I kind of figured out the podcast process. And in the fall, I was going through treatment for depression. And in that treatment, I did ketamine therapy. And during my ketamine therapy treatments, I saw this possibility for myself of kind of moving in a new direction in pickleball and exploring a whole new space, which was as the athlete in my first year and a half, I was getting injured a lot playing pickleball and I was having to learn a ton about injuries, learn a ton about recovery. I was investing in products and using products on a regular basis. And I thought, well, I'm not the only one because everybody my age is wearing some piece of compression armor on the court, it seems. And so I also noticed all of my friends were disappearing for six weeks at a time at some point. And you'd ask them where they went and they'd be like, oh, I had a hip or, oh, I had a shoulder or, oh, I had an elbow. Like they gave birth or something. And so I just saw this new direction to kind of take in helping me and everyone like me feel better faster so they could play more pickleball. And at that point I had done 85 podcast episodes on the other side with like 45 original pieces of music, 40 interviews. The body of work was like robust. Like anyone who needed that could go get it and it wasn't like they'd be left wanting more. There was plenty for anybody to use that resource. So I just kind of felt complete. So I decided, okay, at the end of the calendar year, I'm going to wrap up, reduce your stress with Tim Ringgold, and I'm going to begin Pickleball Recovery. And it's going to start out as a podcast, and then it's going to become a website with resources for how to feel better faster. And then eventually it'll become like a review page where there'll be products people could buy and kind of click through the reviews and the links there. And that excited me because I wanted to solve a problem because pickleball has a fundamental problem, which is that it's deceptive. People don't think it's athletic and it's very athletic. And because of its size and its social juice, people just mistake it for being unathletic. And so people are having injuries and then they're frustrated because they're on the sideline. And you know what it's like, the pickleball addiction in the first year, it's legit. I mean, the only thing it doesn't have in common with straight up addiction is the shame cycle like afterwards, but all the rest of it is exactly the same. People just want to play more. So they have overuse injuries. They don't take enough time out to rest and recover. They don't understand what the word recovery means in an athletic context at all. And so 
too many people are suffering through playing through chronic injuries and getting injured. And then not only that, just feeling stiff and in pain and sore throughout the rest of their day. And a lot of it is unnecessary. It could be easily avoided. So I said, yeah, I like this podcast space. This is where I'll set up shop in the pickle sphere because I'm new. I don't know equipment and I don't know technique. I don't have anything to share there. I don't have anything to offer of value, but I do know a lot about the body and the body systems and recovery because I'm going through it myself. So I'll just take everyone with me. I love that. Now you said people really don't even know what recovery is, what that means. So can you expand on that a bit? Sure. The body needs as much rest as it needs activity. And the body doesn't heal or grow during activity. It heals and grows during rest. And rest is distinct from sleep. Now, the body needs sleep for those same reasons, but the body also needs rest. So, which means it's in its normal, relaxed state, body temperatures, core body temperature, heart rate, blood pressure, all in a resting state. When the body can spend time in that gear, it can rebuild. When you put the body into exercise mode and you elevate your heart rate and you elevate your blood pressure and you stimulate your nervous system, it moves into activity mode and it switches out of repair mode. It can't do both at the same time. And so I think there's a fundamental misunderstanding of what it takes for the body to maintain itself, much less be able to grow and develop. And so if you're always playing, your body doesn't have time to repair the damage that you did from the previous activity. And so it as over time, those micro tears and those micro traumas to your soft tissues build up to a point where there's a critical event. And then you have an acute tear, whether it's soft tissue, right? A ligament, cartilage, tendon, or muscle. And people think that happens out of nowhere. And it's usually as a result of cumulative fatigue that's happened in that area and in those muscles. So that joint can't support itself properly. The stabilization muscles have been overworked chronically now. They're in a state of chronic fatigue. They can't do their job. They're recruiting your movement muscles to try to do the job for them. Now they're doing a job they're not designed for, and they're kind of being played out of position to use a sports analogy. And eventually they break. And that's kind of what happens. And if you hang around enough pickleball courts, you see and hear the stories. And if you hang around enough orthopedists or physical therapists, you'll hear them start to remark about all the pickleball injuries. And most of it is a simple case of overuse. So what should you do during your recovery time? Yeah, there's a couple of basics. And it's so, what's the word? It's like so obvious. It's it's uh, banal. Like people like, oh, I can't be that simple. <laughs> And it's like, yeah, it really is. All the basics, what you've been told are true. So we want to look at a couple of key pillars. One is sleep. We live in a culture that rewards sleep deprivation. It's kind of like a badge of courage. Most people don't either sleep well or know how much sleep they need to get from a quality or quantity perspective. So understanding your sleep, which is why I interviewed the sleep doctor himself, Dr. Michael Bruce on my podcast so that people could get that foundation of understanding sleep and why that's non-negotiable. I went through that journey with my head injury, learning how vital sleep is to the body's recovery systems. 
and how you can't mess with it the older you get. Now, when we were 20, I mean, come on, we could pull an all-nighter, we could burn the candle at both ends, and we could handle that. But you know, most picklers are over 40, and it's not the same. A decade after decade, you just can't pull off the same kind of abuse on your sleep system. So it starts there. Like guard your sleep. It's a non-negotiable in my house. It's just non-negotiable. Like I'm up, I'm up out of my chair, going upstairs. I don't care what anybody else is doing. I know that my brain and my body need eight hours every night. And so I give it to it. And so that's the first place to start. The second one is hydration. People underestimate how dehydrated they are throughout the day. Not necessarily when they're playing, but just chronically. They don't really focus on keeping their body properly hydrated. So if you go into playing pickleball dehydrated, odds are you're going to increase the likelihood of damage. And then the stiffness and soreness afterwards is going to be a lot worse if you're not properly hydrated before, like pre-hydrate, hydrate, post-hydrate. So those are like the two easiest things to do. And then the other recovery can look like what may seem counterintuitive, but movement, but not like aerobic, like what I would call conversational cardio. So have rest days, first of all. So you need time off. Your body needs to rebuild. So figure out if you can handle it, play a day, figure out what your equilibrium is. But on your rest days, you still need to move your body. So that means going for a walk for a half hour. But it means being able to have a conversation while you're going for a walk or hopping on your your exercise bike, but you're keeping your heart rate down to, I don't know what the percentage would be because everybody's heart rate max is different. But you need to be able to have a conversation while you're doing the activity. But if you can do that on your rest days, it actually improves your recovery. So that's a great thing as well. People like heat and ice and people have different preferences to both. And there's differing research out there on that. Most of the high-performance athletes are really into ice after high performance, like ice baths. That's great if you can tolerate it. Not everybody can tolerate that. One of the doctors I go to, his recommendations are if you're having any kind of inflammation or any kind of soreness after exercise, if it's a joint, it gets ice. If it's a muscle, it gets heat. And I thought, oh, that's pretty interesting. So that's kind of how to help the recovery process. And then compression. Compression's a great tool. My life changed when I bought a pair of compression boots because the compression boots really push out of your tissues all of the like waste products that build during and that and when you're think of it this way, when you tear down a muscle during activity, there's waste. It's kind of, it gets a little shredded. The compression actually helps to remove that waste through your lymph system faster than the body can do it on its own. So it can rebuild faster than it can on its own when using compression. So compression is a great tool as well. You've provided so many so much information already on recovery, but I just want to ask two follow-up questions because I think people will be you talk about resting. So one question would be how much, how many days of rest should you have? And then the second would be how much should you hydrate? Yeah, those are really good questions. And they definitely depend on the person. So unfortunately, it's not like 
you can tolerate, everybody can tolerate this. I wish there was like a ratio. I don't think any picklers would follow it. They would be like, no, I can't play that little. I need to keep playing. But what I'm noticing coming up on my two-year pickleball birthday is that initial crazy obsession with play. It's starting to get satiated and balanced with, I'm tired of feeling tired and I'm tired of being in pain and I'm tired of having injuries. So I'm kind of on this journey of finding my own equilibrium. And so I think it depends on a couple of factors. One, if you're just a rec player or two, if you're a tournament player, because tournaments have a very different effect on the body than rec play and rec players will play a lot more cumulatively over the course of a week than a tournament player plays. I just interviewed Paul Olin and I was like, what's your training schedule? He's like, he's like, what training schedule? He's like, tournaments are so grueling and intensive. Like I, my body needs that time to just be off, not playing. I don't play a lot during the week. And I was kind of surprised by that. So I think know who you are. And if you're somebody who's a rec player and tournament player on top of that, boy, you're probably redlining your body more than you need to. And so can you take one more day off in the week? Yes, you can. Your body needs to recover. It's not like you're going to lose your touch by taking a day off, but you're going to gain the recovery. And I think that's one thing a lot of people are afraid of is they're going to lose their edge. They're going to lose their touch. Someone's going to get better. And it's like, well, you're of no good if you've got the best hands, but a torn Achilles. So you got to find that equilibrium for yourself. And I interview people all the time and I ask them like, what's their cycle, their activity cycle. And I have practically never heard two people give me the same answer. So I think it's very individual case basis finding that out. But what I will say is if you're walking around constantly fatigued or stiff or sore, you're simply playing too much and your body isn't having enough time. You need off days. So you're going to have to start to add off days in and figure out what that interval is because it's possible to play a lot of pickleball and not be in pain all the time. Because as soon as I switched to kind of figuring out what are the most important things I can do the five minutes before I start, I pick up my paddle and the five minutes after, in addition to the rest, hydration, and compression, well, then I can kind of maintain somewhat of a schedule and be in less pain the rest of the time. So let me just close on that, which is if you can spend, if you have the discipline to just warm up your body temperature for five minutes before you pick up your paddle. And then five minutes after, when you put your paddle down, before you walk off the court, spend five minutes stretching. Don't stretch cold, stretch hot. But you've got to heat up your body before you start to use it. The muscles work better. Your nervous system works better when it's properly heated. When your body is not heated properly, the muscles don't fire properly. So your electrical system in your body works better when it's warm. So you've got to heat your body up, which means break a sweat. So get your up, your heart rate up, get your respiratory rhythm up, start to break a sweat, then pick up your paddle. Now start warming up your dinks. After you finish playing your game, before you walk off the court, stretch your big muscles. So stretch your hamstrings, stretch your quads, stretch your calves, stretch your shoulder, stretch your forearm, five minutes, and you'll be shocked as to how much better you feel the rest of the day. So that's the last piece of it. And I created 
a video and photo guide for that. If you just go to pickleballrecovery.com, you can download it for free. And I spent a lot of time on that to help people out because as soon as I started adding that into my diet, I couldn't believe how much my body felt better the rest of the day. Awesome. That is some great advice. You mentioned a number of things that I'm not doing that I need to do. I won't be specific about that here, but I will. uh, That's one of the things I actually love about doing the podcast is I learn so much about pickleball, the from an instruction point of view, but also from a mental and physical point of view, like you're talking about with the recovery. So you've had some great guests on your podcast, Pickleball Recovery. So I recommend to my audience wholeheartedly check out Tim's podcast and definitely his website for the free resources that he has available. And Tim, if somebody does want to connect directly with you, what's the best way to re- for them to reach out? Well, if you're on social, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Just find me at Tim Ringgold, or you can just email me at Tim at pickleballrecovery.com. Awesome. Well, before we finish up here, Tim, anything else that people should know or you want to share? I think the last thing I'll say is that just remember, it's great to work on aspects of your game, but never forget to play. And I think one of the things that is great about pickleball that is that it it reconnects all of us with what it's like to play. And humans need play. It's vital for our emotional and social well-being. And so play well. And playing well is usually a result of feeling well. And so the better you take care of your body, you automatically take better care of your game. And the better your game, the happier you are at the end of the day. So put it all together and play well. I will definitely be playing some tomorrow. Nice. All right. Well, Tim, again, it was great to have you on the Pickleball Fire podcast. Thank you so much for being a guest. Lynn, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It was great being with you. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes. 